Greetings once again from Fremont Free Church. Glad to have you listening here with us this morning. It is Easter week, which is exciting. Uh, we are just six days away from celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And then I think that would make us four days away from commemorating Good Friday. So a big week here at the church, but more so a big week on the Christian calendar. Not that we shouldn't be celebrating the death and resurrection of Christ every single week, but there is something something unique about just stopping and slowing down and remembering what Jesus did. So um, all that to say, excited about what's upcoming this week here at the church, excited about what's going on just with our own personal families this week, commemorating the, the death and resurrection of Christ. But before we get there, and maybe at the end today, we can talk a little bit about some things that you've done in the past with, with Easter to get your family ready, and maybe I can share some things that we have done. Uh, before we get there, let's, let's turn our attention to Acts 15. Um, so Acts 15... Uh, a, a pivotal moment, I think you could say, in the history of the church, the Jerusalem Council. It is roughly halfway through the book of Acts. Um, someone yesterday asked me, like, well, your math's kind of funny if you think it's the midpoint. There's 28 chapters, and it's 15. It's past the midpoint. Fair enough. That's a good point. So <laughs> it's not exactly the midpoint, but it is the start of the second half of the book of Acts. It's I mid-ish. Do, it's mid-ish, the midpoint-ish. Um, but it is uh, crucial, as, as I said yesterday, it's not just central in terms of where it's located in the book. It's a crucial uh, chapter in terms of the doctrine of the church going forward. And as I said yesterday, they were not deciding what constitutes salvation. They were determining what God had already decided. Right. Um, but it is a, cri- a pivotal passage. So uh, enough introduction. Jim, I'd love to hear how God was working in your heart as you were thinking yesterday about the Jerusalem Council. Yeah, I think there's several things to to think through here with this chapter because I think it is such a, a significant passage in Scripture. I think the one thing that stood out to me the most um, would be um, in verse 15, 16, and 17, just the idea that um, the Word is the thing that dictates our lives. You know, it wasn't James and Peter's opinion about what should happen with Gentiles believers, if they should be circumcised or not. Um, it was the word that directed them. It was the word that guided them. It was the word that taught them and that they were, um, allowing the word to do the work, uh, in that moment. And I think that just was just like, that really stood out to me just to just like, that was just such a powerful reminder that especially in this age that we live in, where everybody thinks their word is, um, authoritative, right? right? Everybody thinks their opinion is right and everybody else is wrong. And we become very, our word becomes very autonomous, right? Mm. Um, and authoritative. Uh, and yet this is so counterculture today to say, no, my word is not final. My word is not autonomous. The word of God is, and that's what I need to submit to. And that's what I need to put myself under and to follow that. And to see that here working, you know, to say in this pivotal moment, in this pivotal chapter, the word drives the chapter. Right. And so how much more does the word need to be driving in our lives? You know, when I ever have people ask me questions, you know, it's good to say, well, what what does scripture say? How does scripture answer that question? Well, what does the word say? Right. Because that's where we have to start. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's important that um, James doesn't say, and with this, the word of the prophet agrees. Like, and he just is quoting Jam- or Amos. Sorry, he did quote Amos, but he says, "With this, the word of the prophets agrees." So, in other words, he's using Amos as an example of what the prophets as a whole agree. But um, to your larger point, 
I think I think this is crucial. Like, where where do we decide what's true? Right. Um, and you know, I I recognize like at some level there's nothing new under the sun. Like even Pilate asking the question, "What is truth?" Right. There is this kind of like, yeah. You know, how do we decide what's true? But I will say, given given the experience that we're having in the United States right now, there is certainly more of a need to be able to determine how do we know what's true. I mean, everybody has an opinion. Um, I think social media has has amplified those opinions, and so we're, we're seeing that you know the media has an opinion on how things work, and the politicians have an opinion on how things work, and individuals have an opinion on how things work. But at the end of the day, how do we decide what's true? And even you know, recently, Tony and I have had conversations with people where where this is a focal point. Like, how how do we determine what is truth? How do we know what's right, and how do we know what's wrong? And I, I think as a as a whole, like it seems like and maybe this is just my experience, and maybe every person as they get older thinks this way, but it seems to me that we've unmoored ourselves from what truth is, like that we've lost our anchor, that, right. that anymore, like no one really has an ability to discern, right. well, what is true? Like, right. how do we know that this is right or this is wrong? Right. Like, um, And it seems like we've just completely lost sight of, of how we decide what's true. And so I agree with you. Like, that was something that really stuck out to me here. I think, I think James is a point where he says, and with this, the word, so he has this experience of Peter, right? Like where Peter's ministered to the Gentiles through Cornelius in particular, and, and God has poured out his Holy Spirit and God has cleansed their hearts by faith. And Peter's point is like, if God has done that, then why would we add something to the law? Like, why would, why would we say they need to be circumcised or they need to obey the law if God's already done this? But for James, it wasn't just like, well, you know, Peter's experience was this. And so therefore, we have to take it seriously. Now, he does take into account Peter's experience, no question. But I think the key turning point in the passage is that verse 15 when he says, and with this, the words of the prophets agree. Right. And then he quotes Amos as an example of how the words of the prophets agree. But it's it's the word that determines for them, this is what's true. Right. Um, now, you know, admittedly, sometimes the apostles' um, ability to use the Old Testament, it's like, whoa, that's interesting that he quotes Amos in that way. Like, that, you know, they, they, they sometimes pull out of a context that you'd be like, ah, well, okay, I don't know if I right. see that completely. However, right. we have to understand they're being especially led by the Holy Spirit here, yep. like to understand that this is how Scripture is to be interpreted. Like, right. But I, I think we can be confident that they were interpreting correctly because the Spirit was guiding them, and they were the, the apostles that... Um, that Jesus had appointed to lead the church, right? So, yeah, I think I agree with you 100%, and I think this is this is extraordinarily culturally relevant. Um, right. It's extraordinarily relevant for us as parents, right? As we're thinking about our kids, we have to be able to help them think through, well, how do we know if something is true or not true? Right. Um, because, again, this is getting pressed all the way in our culture. Like, here are these things that the culture is holding up as this is true, but the right. question is, is it true? And, and how do we know? And I would say at the end of the day, like the, the word of God has to be our barometer. If, if, if we lose sight of that, then we have no anchor and it's a free for all. And, and really we become the book of judges, right? Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Right. And, and by the way, if you've never read the book of judges, that does not end well. So you right. have to have a mooring and you have to have an anchor and that anchor is the word of God. Right. Right, because with this, I mean, what we're living in today is the byproduct of the abandonment of absolute truth. Right. Um, that truth has become relative, and your truth, you may have your truth, but it's going to be different than my truth. Um, and I think what has happened is is the reason we've abandoned 
absolute truth is because if you acknowledge that there is an absolute truth, there has to be an absolute truth giver. Right. There has to be someone that sets that standard. Well, the only the only one that is big enough to set that standard has to be God. Right. Because it has to be someone that's above all people of all places right. at all times. And so we live in a day and age that has, you know, abandoned God because we want to be God. I mean, a relativism is an attempt for us to declare ourselves to be God. Right. We get to determine what's true. We, you're right. The, and the reason we want to determine what is true is because we want to be the God of our own lives and our own universe. And so we get to determine what is true and what is wrong, right and wrong. And the problem is, is you're going to be different. So we're going to butt against each other because your truth is different because you're autonomous in your own way for you. And that's why we're in the mess that we're in the world today. Yeah. And so... You know, the only way anything is going to change is to recognize that there's an absolute truth giver, and that is the God of the Bible. Yeah, agreed. And I, I do think that's a, a huge function of this passage, just in terms of, and that's why I kind of went on a little bit of a rabbit trail of truth, because I do think it, it speaks to how do we find what's true? Like, right. and, and for, again, for the apostles, it wasn't like, well, you know, Gentiles, whatever you believe to be true on this issue of how a person right. is saved, Jewish people, whatever right. you believe, that's yeah. fine. Like you believe your thing, you believe our thing, or, you know, what do and you want to co- be true? Coexist. In yeah. This that, like that's not the way they approach this question. They, they realize that there right. is a truth and we've right. got to figure out what it is. And for them, they, they did that by looking to scripture and being by led by the Holy Spirit. And I, again, and I, those two things that go tandem, that's not like a one and two step approach. Like those are hand in hand, right? Like this, the spirit speaks through scripture. And so to not like, you notice that too, like in, in other speeches that have been made so far, like, you know, Paul's, Paul's first speech or sermon that takes place in the book of Acts, like he quotes the old Testament all the time mm-hmm. because this is how they determine what was true. And I think again, in, in particular, as as our culture pushes more and more on the Christian ethic, we've got to decide, do we really believe the Bible is the Word of God? Right. And if so, then that's where we've got to anchor our beliefs. Right. Um, and I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be without resistance. I'm just saying, like, how else do we determine what's true? Right. Because if we lose the Word of God, you're right, like, the reason why the word of God is authoritative is because it's God's word and because he is above us. He is the creator. He's different than us. And if we lose that, then who gets to determine truth? How do we decide right. who's, who's gets to decide what's true? Right. It's a mess, right. right? Right. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing that you said there about, about that they didn't say in this council, okay, Gentiles, you do Christianity your way. Jews, you do your Christianity your way. It's not all roads lead to God. Right. That's what you would get. That would be the result of that sort of thinking. And what they're saying at the Jerusalem Council is, nope, this, there is one way to God. Right. It's through, I mean, I would say that's, I mean, I think the, the central verse is probably that is uh, verse 11. I agree. You know, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will, period. Right. Both there's, Jews and Gentiles, yeah. There is one way of salvation for both Jews and Gentiles, and that is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That is the way of salvation. And so this is a very, um, uh, it is is it is not, uh, uh, it's very limited. It is, it is this way. It's exclusive. It's, it's That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Right. It is very exclusive. Yeah. This is not, this is not a religion of inclusion. 
And but yet this is not our interpretation either. This is scripture. We're not twisting scripture. Yeah. This is what scripture says. Yeah. This is what they say. Right. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. And and I do think we have to, like okay, when we say that the Bible is authoritative, we do have to be aware that some people will try to distort what the Bible says. Correct. I mean, again, that goes all the way back to Genesis three when Correct. Sa- Satan Satan is no dummy, right? Like, even right. if you think about how he tempted Jesus. Absolutely. With the Word. With the Word, yep. right? So we, we can't just say, well, you know, we're going to cherry-pick verses here and try right. to make it say what we want it to say. Right. Like Because you can bend truth that way, too. Like, Correct. we have to do the hard work of figuring out, well, what does the text actually say? Right. Um, so, you know, I'm not trying to make this more simplistic than it is. Just say, well, you know, pick a Bible verse, and that's what you hold Correct. to. Like, you've got to be able to interpret it correctly within its context. Right. So... Um, here's a question I want to follow up to, and then I want to get, I think this is a little bit tricky to figure out how this applies, but if we're saved by grace alone, which is clearly the message of this, I agree with you. Verse 11 is a key Two two part question. One, why does James say what he does in verse 20? Right? So verse 19, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who right. turn to God. I, I think that's really an affirmation of verse 11. We should not trouble them. Right. We should not tell them to be circumcised. We should not tell them they have to obey the law. But verse 20 says, we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual morality and from what has been strangled and from blood. Okay, so the, the first part of the question is, well, if he doesn't think those things are necessary for salvation, why does he add them? Now, my second part to the question is, like, what are some examples of how we might apply the principle from that to our daily living? And that's where it gets a little trickier. Oh, wow. But let, let's start with the first one. Like, why does he why does he add that? If he doesn't think those things are necessary for salvation to obey the law, then why is he saying those things? Right, right. Well, I think, I mean, like, I think it, I, like, I was kind of cut off guard by the language in verse 1. And I think maybe this is something to, to keep in mind, right? Unless you are circumcised according to the cuffs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty, speaking of exclusive or cut and dry, that's pretty cut and dry. Right, yeah, this is like very, um, like that's a very bold statement to be making right. there. You know, and I, like that kind of caught me off guard. Like, oh, I think it's been a while since I read that verse because that was jarring to read. Like, this is like, so this is significant, like yeah. Um, and yet you don't you don't read that language here, right? So right. I think that's important. They're not saying, you know, he's not saying, you know, we're going to write to the Gentiles. You need to abstain to these things, and if you don't, you cannot be saved, right? So I do think. Yeah, I, is... I agree with that 100. He's affirming what Peter said already in verse 11. We're saved by right. grace. He's in 19. Right. He's saying we're not going to add anything to the Gentiles. I agree. Like I agreed right. with you 100. I don't think right. he's saying you have to do these things to be saved. Right. But he still right. says them. So why does he say right? Them? So I wonder if like is it like here? Here are some of the custom things that we still need to be talking about in our context of where we're living in first century uh, Jewish world. Yeah, right. Um, to say, hey, look, you don't have to keep to circumcision. You don't have to keep to that custom anymore. Yeah. But here's some things that would be good for you to be mindful about. Yeah. Here's some things that we do think that you. That, that we feel is important enough that you need to avoid. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously I think you look at, I mean, 
sexual immorality. That's obviously very true today. Yeah, that, that that's the one that probably carries over the right, most. Right, for everybody sure. looks at that and says, "Oh yeah, well of course." You know, I think and, and I think you know the point that you brought yesterday was really good. Is you know what are we going to do to be about unity? Right? How yeah. do we like? How do you protect the, the 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 weaker brother? I think these Gentiles probably had no problem. Um, you know, uh, um, I'm guessing we're abstaining from things polluted by idols. I guess that's referring to eating that meat. That was sacrificed. To Probably, idols, yeah. I would say there. Um, I mean, because later on, when it's repeated in verse twenty-nine, they say that they say it that way okay. that you abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols, right? And from blood, and from what has been strangled. I mean, the Old Testament are, laws, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it's interesting, right? Because they say it here, this context, but doesn't Paul say later on? Key point. That yeah. it's okay. Yep. To eat. In some context, the 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 meat of sacrificed idols, right? And so I think you're getting some important there. Yeah, you're seeing a a progression of what it's like to be a Jewish Christian in the first century. Because I do think, like I did think yesterday about the fact that these these Jewish believers are experiencing something for the first time that they haven't experienced in over two thousand years. Yeah. 2,000 years, what has set them apart from every other nation in the world is circumcision. Right. And to say, hey, we're going to remove that now from you is not necessary. Like, I don't even know how we could put that into context today. Sure. Like, like. Right. What you mean? Like, what would like, be a modern example? Like, hypothetically, what would that be for us as believers? Like, hey, we're going to take away the Lord's Supper and baptism. I mean, is that, I mean, I don't even know what that yeah. compares right. because we don't, as we don't equate that to salvation, Yeah. but I'm just trying to think like this was such a hard left turn yeah. for them. Right. You know, that I think that there is probably something here that, 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 that James is saying to these Gentile believers, Hey, be sensitive to your Jewish believers yeah. in these things, especially yeah. the meat and the sacrifice to idols and yeah. those type of things. Yeah show some grace to them because I do think that Jewish believers at this point are really having to learn that they got to show some grace to their Gentile believers that they have that they are not getting circumcised anymore. Right. So I think that like I think you would read this first and you'd say, well the conclusion is that Gentiles don't have to live like Jewish people to be saved, right? But I think there's also an implication that Jewish people don't have to live like Gentiles to be saved either. Meaning like if they want to keep following the laws, they can. Like right. and so actually I think what he's doing here is trying to be sensitive. Right. Now, sexual morality, you're right, is the one that's kind of like if you're playing the Sesame Street game, which one of these is not like the other? Sexual morality right. is the one that carries over to every culture. Right. But the fact that he mentions it probably makes you think it's tied somehow to a specific idol worship. Because otherwise he'd say things like murder. Like clearly, like he didn't want people to murder, right? right. Like sure. so my guess is it's probably tied to a specific form of idol worship that was taking place. And he's just wanting to clarify, like, hey, the Jewish brothers and sisters are going to connect this to idol worship, so be careful to avoid these things, right? right. Like, um, But I think what you said about Paul is really important. Like, later on, he says it is okay to eat food sacrificed to idols in some right. context, right? right? Interestingly enough... He also has Timothy circumcised at one point. Yeah, isn't that something? Even though it's not necessary for salvation, and even though in the book of Galatians, he just right. rails on like there's right. no need to be circumcised. So right. I think the principle here is like we've got to consider others in the way that we live so as not to cause stumbling, right? Like right. I think that's what he's getting at here. He's not saying this is necessary for salvation. He's just saying 
for your Jewish brothers and sisters who are still following the dietary regulations, like they might be offended if you're eating this stuff and they may not want to eat with you. They may not want to share fellowship with you. Like, and he's mm-hmm. saying, don't do that because you want to have unity. Right. So right. I, I think what we're getting at is there's some essentials here. We're saved by grace alone. I mentioned some of the other things yesterday, you know, Jesus is the only way, or the Bible's the word of God, or there's one God in three persons, right? Like those are essentials, like closed-handed doctrine, I would call them. And then there's these other things that are open-handed, like right. eating food that's been sacrificed to idols, like, or, um, you know, I guess food that's been strangled, or meat that's been strangled, right. right? Like these are open-handed issues where a person is free to eat them or not eat them, but like you need to take into consideration right. other people around you so as not to cause them to stumble or right. cause disunity. Right. Right. So then the tricky question becomes, and this this is this is where I think it does require the spirit to just convict each of us personally. But what are some examples? Like, how do we apply the principle here to our daily living for us? Like, again, I, I really don't think. I guess I don't even know enough about how meat is processed to know, like a strangulation an issue. Like maybe, maybe all my beef farmers are like, how do you not know this? I, you know, I don't know. Like, right. But I don't know how meat is is. I don't know how we get it today, but I don't know if it has blood, whatever. Um, you got to eat your steak well done. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know how that would even apply today. Like, the point is, it's not really an issue today. Like, I don't even know the answers right. to those questions. Right. So, but I, again, and I think it's important that you brought up Paul to say that's not really the issue here. The issue here is not really about food sacrifice idols, about right. this principle of maintaining unity and considering right. your brothers, right? Like, right. So, again, the question I'm driving at is, can you think of some examples of how this might be played out today, where we have to say, hey, let's let's strive for unity on these non-essentials, where maybe we, we're just careful about our convictions. Right, because right. I think what we're getting at here is where the Jewish people were pressing this issue of circumcision on the Gentiles, that they said no. The same way we're telling the Gentiles, hey, don't push your freedom right. on the Jewish people. Like, yeah. we both have ways of pushing things on others right. that we shouldn't push. Yeah. And so that we need to be mindful of those things. Yep. Right. So how do we treat the weaker brother? Yeah. So give me some examples of what that looks like. Are you asking me to give the first example? <laughs> I, well, A, I want to give myself more time to think. Uh, that So the more time I think, the better. But I don't... I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not entirely for sure. I could think of some things. I mean, if you don't have any, I could start to I mean, talk. I do you have any ideas? Things. I have some things. I Go do. Ahead. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much hot water I'm going to get in here this morning. Well, we and, could always cut and, it off the podcast and, if we have to. Go and, ahead. And bringing up some of these things. Yeah, Carrie might have to do some heavy editing here. <laughs> um, but here we go. I'm going to dive into them first. And I'm going to start with this one, okay? Yep. I think, I think politics is something we need to be careful of. Yeah. I think some That's people, actually one that came to my mind too. I think some people push politics on others that um is is done in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Um that I think that uh for some people um just view politics differently than others and not even like a Republican or Democrat, just like the the like the the priority of it. Yeah. Like some people hold it in a really, really, really high priority that push that on others that don't necessarily have it as high that I think is an open-handed thing. I don't think right. that's a closed-handed issue. And, and that's what I think is important. This is not a, op- this is not a closed-fisted issue. Right. This is open-handed. Kings and princes will come and go. Yeah. And Jesus reigns over all. Yeah. And so if you are passionate about politics, fine. Don't push it on someone that isn't as passionate on politics. 
because at the end of the day, Jesus is going to rule over everything. It's going to be all right. Yeah, that's actually an example I thought of too. Um, I think that. Oh, good. So we'll both get in the hot water. Yeah. Together. So maybe I should just let your statement stand. So that you're only <laughs> one in hot water. I'll take all the arrows. Yeah, but I, no, I, I think that's true. I think that sometimes we lose our voice about the gospel because we're so passionate about politics, and I think that's a mistake, right? Like, um, I think you know, if, if you have an opinion on this or that, like, you know, let's take, let's just take COVID for example. Maybe that's a little, little less contentious than it would have been a year ago, right? Like you had an opinion on how COVID should have been handled. Like, okay, like that's fine. Like, but don't let that be a stumbling block to others to keep them from hearing about Jesus because you're so passionate about this issue, right? Like, and I I think that that's an issue of like, you know, now I know the trick is that some people are so convinced they're right that they feel like it's become a close-handed issue. But I, th- I think that's where we have to have a, a, the ability to triage here and figure out what really are first order, first orders of, or doctrines of first order, right? Amen. Like Amen. that these things are necessary for salvation. And I think the problem is a lot of us want to take a lot of things from an open hand that are secondary issues right. and want to put them in the first as if they're necessary for salvation when they're just not. That's right. Um, so I agree with you. I, I think. I think in particular, right now in this cultural moment, that is one we have to be very careful of. Absolutely. Um, that we don't make that a stumbling block so that people can't hear about Jesus because all they hear is talking about is our political views. Right. Now, you know, I understand there's some things that are cut and dry, right? Like that abortion is a sin, for example. Like, you know, I, I think that's pretty clear in scripture that murdering is a sin, right? right. Like, I, I understand that, but like the implications of how that all works out politically, I think there's, there's kinds of, there's probably room for some, some discussion, right? Like, and that's where right. we have to be charitable. Like, okay, right. like we, we can all agree that is a sin. Like, but what does that mean for how we approach this issue or this issue or this issue? Like, that's where it gets a little bit tougher, right? right. And I think we have to be charitable to figure out what that looks like. Um, and I, I'm obviously being very vague on purpose here because I, I'm not, A, I, th- I think getting into the specifics doesn't do any good because again, we're talking about non-essentials, right? Like, Correct. like I think we just have to be careful to say, hey, these things, Jesus being the only way, Christ is the way of salvation. Like those are the close-handed issues and we don't want any of our non-essentials to cloud that so the people stop listening to us. I think right. that's the point. So I, right. I would agree with you. I think politics would be one. I mean, I think a classic one over the years is is things like alcohol, for example. Like some Good people, alcohol some people is. have a conviction that no, there should be no drinking of alcohol. Others would right. say that without drunkenness, it's okay. Like, and I right. think taking into account where your brothers and sisters are and the yep. circumstance you're in yep. is wise in that case to think, well, what are, what are the people around me? How do they feel about this? Like, and right. I should think about that, right? Like, um, you know, I would tend to think that in this particular case, if a gentile on their own wanted to eat strangled meat like that would be fine but it's just in the context of their jewish brothers and sisters that they don't want to promote that or or to to be a stumbling block right like so you know i think that would be a classic christian example that's been around for you know quite a while other other things you can think of thinking i was thinking of the alcohol one as well um you know it's so funny because i think in in just as we get older things kind of change because i remember i remember like while ago it was like movies even you know i grew up in an area i didn't grow up in the area i went to college and it it wasn't college it was after college i was in a town where there were a denomination that would even view like going to movies as a sin oh does any movie well if you went to the movie theater it was a sin but if you watched it at home on uh 
DVD, it was okay. <laughs> I would love to know how they arrived at that decision, but that's probably another discussion for another time. Yeah, right. go ahead. But, but, you know, you see some cultural things like that, right? Like, yeah. some people say that. Like, I mean, I remember as a kid, some people thought playing cards was a sin. Yeah. You know, and so you, you see little things like that that I think over time you kind of realize this isn't an issue. But for some people, it was an issue, you know. And it's amazing how we can get on our hobby horses, right, and view things that we think are evil or wrong. Yeah. Um, and and so anyway, I just think that that's those are some of the more I don't know. Now there there ends up being another layer to that discussion. Like, and that other layer is like, well, what if the the weaker brother is demanding things of you that are just plain obviously not true, right? right. Like, like then like playing cards, one like sure, right? Like, let me give it a like a really hyper hyperbolic example. Like, let's say that some Christians say, well, I don't think we should drink water. Well, does that mean that you're you're not obligated to drink water just to not cause right. them to sin? And I would say, well, no. Like that's like now I understand I'm going way over the line there. Like, but my point is there it is a point where you'd say, no, that is wrong. Like we don't have to take into account how they're feeling about this. Like, but discerning that is tricky, and I think requires the Holy Spirit and requires getting wise counsel right. and just asking. You know, I could think of probably more specific examples that are not so hyperbolic as water, but like it, it it's tricky right. at some point to say, right. well. I don't think their convictions have to inform how I do everything, right? I, yeah, I'll give you another cultural one today. Just okay. off my head. Uh, probably tattoos. Okay. Would probably be one today. I think I see more Christians today. Like when I, like my son, one of my sons was asking about tattoo. And I said, you know, that's a funny thing. When I was a teenager, like the biker, you know, your Harley Davidson biker guys, those are the only people that got tattoos. You know, nobody else got tattoos. And now it's so culturally prevalent everywhere that you see people getting tattoos all the time. And so I had a conversation like, like my son asked me, would I ever get a tattoo? And I said, you know, I probably wouldn't. Not that I think it's wrong. Um, but I just think that I could possibly offend a weaker brother. And so I would, I would not get one, but that doesn't mean I said, it depends on what you're going to get for a tattoo. I think is another thing. Sure. But I do think that's probably could be one of those issues today. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. But then again, you, that's where that's where it gets really murky, right? To say, well, how much did other person's convictions inform mine if I feel like it's scripturally okay, right? Right. And so, you know, I mean, even us wading into this water makes it complicated <laughs> because it's just really tricky to figure it out. Is. And that's where it I is. think we just have to There's be... There's a lot of nuances but within it. I, I, okay, so here's what I would say the, the bare minimum principle is. You have to at least think about others and the actions you do. Right. And not just think, well, I have the freedom to do this. I'm going to do it because I don't care what people say. Like, right. Well, that's that's the wrong way of thinking. Now, maybe you come to the conclusion... Let's, let's just use that as an example. Maybe you come to the conclusion, I do have freedom to get a tattoo. And I'm okay with that. And even if other people feel differently, I'm, I'm, I'm okay living with that because I think I have freedom in Christ. Okay. Like, but I think at least you have to ask the question, well, what does this do to others? And is it a stumbling? You know, I think right. you have to at least ask that question. Right. Um, and may, maybe Christians could differ on the answer to that. Like, should right. we consider the weak brother? Or is that an issue that we should say yeah, that their, their conscience is wrongly convicted, right? Like, right. It, it's very tricky to figure some of those things out. But at the very least, I think we have to ask the question. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, actually, we, we kind of ran out of time to talk about Easter this week. Um, we will talk about it next week. I mean, I, real quick, I guess, is there anything that you're planning to do this week that you found to be helpful over the years to get your family ready to celebrate the resurrection of Christ? Yeah, I mean, a lot of worship is something that we always do. I think when you do worship a lot, thinking about Christ. So what, what do you mean by that? Like, tell, tell me specifically what that looks like. All right. Okay. So um, I'm going to make a plug here for Andrew Peterson. 
he has two great albums that one is a is a mini album is called Resurre- resurrection letters a prologue that focuses on good friday and then he has another one called resurrection letters volume one which is focuses all on the resurrection of christ and so you're and playing that around the I, house that, like, throughout I, I, the week that's kind of on repeat all week okay yep. Um, two great albums just to really focus on the death and resurrection of Christ. And we just, our family loves them. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. We've, we've tried to be intentional about doing the Easter story over the years. Like when our kids were younger and even, even up till recent years, we've still done these things called resurrection eggs where yeah, it just has yeah, the, still, the resurrection yep, story. Yep, yep. You know, as our kids are getting older, I'm not quite sure what that looks like, sure. but that's what we've done in the past. Um, yeah, you know, obviously we just got a lot going on with our family right now. Dawson being in the hospital, so I'm not even sure what this week looks like. But I, right. I do think we've we've always tried to be intentional on Easter week to just talk about the right. story regularly and right. and make sure that that's at the forefront because yeah, it is read, a big week. Read read those passages in the Gospels, you know, yeah. basically from you know from Palm Sunday, you know, Monday Thursday, yeah, uh, Good Friday. You know, we even watched a couple of years. We watched. Um, the Gospel of John, like I think that's the best movie hmm. uh, adaptation that's been made. Yeah, um, my boys enjoyed that. I think you know we're such a visual society that we live in, um, and I think that one is probably the most accurate one. Um, and, and so that's something that we've in, cool. enjoyed. We don't do it every year, but we've done it before. Yeah. I think the big encouragement is not so much specifically what we do, but more so just be intentional this right. week to try to right. prepare your family for Easter, or right. if you're a single person, to prepare your own heart for Easter. Right. I mean, we did. We used to have a devotion book that we used that focused on the week of Easter and the week after Easter that, that our boys have kind of outgrown a little bit, sure. but that was something that we always did too. Yeah, cool. All right, so... Uh, I, I guess that's pretty much where we're at for Acts 15 and Easter right. today. But I would, we would sincerely encourage you prepare your hearts this week. It is, it is a great week in the in the uh, Christian calendar to be able to stop and think about Jesus' death and resurrection. Right. Celebrate verse 11. Right. Believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that was on Good Friday yeah. and Easter Sunday. Amen. It's a good way to end. All right. Have a good week. Get ready for Easter. Big Sunday coming. Uh, keep looking to Christ in the meantime.